The Bible reading is from John chapter 13, reading verses 1 through to 11. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter then said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who is bathed does not need to wash, except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I'm Rachel and I work with children's and families here at St. Tom's. Today is our final sermon from Gentle and Lowly, with a series with, by Dane Ortland. So before we start looking at today's passage, we're going to do a quick recap of our Gentle and Lowly series. So I thought we'd have some fun and do a pop quiz. So I need five volunteers and each volunteer will get their own buzzer. Could I please have five volunteers? Who'd like to also win chocolate? No, seriously, I need five volunteers. Ruth, can you please come up? Jenny Gillen, you're good at this sort of thing. Lars, you can come up too. If you're not going to volunteer, I'm just going to assign you. John Carrick, you want to win chocolate? Do you want to win chocolate? Yvonne wants to? No? Okay. Yeah, just go for it. Just give your brother a test. Okay, there you go. You already know some of the answers, John, but that's okay. And one more. Brenton? Yep, come on. Doesn't matter. It's very easy, I promise. I haven't made this too tricky. Good. All right, fantastic. Thank you. Warm welcome. Anyone got some theme music? No? Okay. Okay, come and stand along here. He does have an advantage, so you can Okay. So the first question is from our first week. Okay, John, Jesus' heart is... Yay! Okay. In week two, we learnt that Jesus is able to sympathise with us in our weakness. 
Why or why not? Sorry, is Jesus able to sympathise with us? Why or why not? Yes. yes. <laughs> Hebrews, he is the priest and he also relates to us. Yes, that's right. Great. One point for you, one point for John. True or false? So you've got a 50-50 chance. True. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> okay, great. So let's hear the question. Next question. Jesus will cast us out and give up on us. That is right, Ruth, it is false. John, in our third sermon series, assured us that Jesus will never cast us out or give up on us. That's why you should always listen to the question first. In week four, or in our fourth sermon, Denise preached, our, Denise preached and taught us about a fancy word beginning with A and the Holy Spirit. What is that word? <laughs> Yeah, very well done. I can see the answer. <laughs> That's okay, Lars. <laughs> Week five. <laughs> Week five. We had a bit of a break from the gentle and lowly. And in our fifth week, John shared, so this really, you know, he should know, that Jesus' heart is, is um, oh, sorry, this isn't a question. This is just a statement. So um, you get a little break. John shared that Jesus' heart is full of wonderful love and mercy to us. It was my turn the next week, and Alex and Ben were baptised. Please share my two points from my sermon. It was about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a person, Catherine. And one more point. Helps us feel Christ's heart. Thank you very much. Who was that? Cecile, thank you, Cecile. There you go. They stole the points from you. Week seven, well, sermon seven. Is the God of the Old Testament different to Jesus? No, that's right. No, he does not afflict from his heart. His compassion never fails. Week eight, we learnt that God's ways are not our ways. He's, oh, this is just a statement too. He is much more compassionate and merciful than we can ever be or imagine. Last sermon was from Susan last week. Susan shared with us, and we've got two words to fill in the gaps. Susan shared with us that God is rich in... Mercy. Mercy. Lavish in his love for us, that it is by his... We are saved. Well done, everybody. Give good clap. that I'll start buzzing them in the circle. Yeah, that's the answer. Let me pray after that excitement. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are gentle and lowly. Thank you that we can enjoy your word together. Um, We pray that you will give me words to share your good news today. Amen. In our final chapters of Dane's book, he asks us to meditate on John 13, verse 1. Now, before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come 
to depart from this world and go to the heaven, go to the Father, sorry. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Dane plays particular focus on having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And rightly so, this verse shifts the book of John to now focus on Jesus, his servant nature, his preparation for his death, the crucifixion and separation from his father and to his resurrection. The disciples in this scene do not realise what Jesus is doing, but later they will understand. In my experience, it's entirely possible to watch something happen and not see it at all. This passage where Jesus washes his disciples' feet deserves examination. If we look at Peter's character arc, we will see that um, we will see that Jesus also wants us as a church to understand and its important call on our lives as followers of Jesus. To do this, we will need to look back into history to Isaiah, then forward to the cross, and then to the hope we have in Jesus, our servant king. As we do this, I hope we might start to understand just exactly what Jesus is doing here as he washes those grubby feet and calls us as a church also to do, to love and serve each other. Let's look at John 13 verse 1. Having loved his own in the world, he loved them to the end. This verse is an absolute jewel. This love that Jesus has for his disciples is full, complete, everlasting and intense. It's a love that only God has for his people. I'd like you to imagine a ring, a big wedding ring with God's love, Jesus' love, this full, complete, everlasting and intense jewel at the top is God's precious love. John 13 verse 1 starts with this love and in chapter 17 it ends with this love too or refers to it. It's all part of the one scene as Jesus prepares to go to the cross. They're some of my notes that I've been thinking through in the last few weeks. In between chapters 13 to 17, we observe and witness Jesus' betrayal, Christ's servant nature, his mandate for us to love one another in chapter 13, the promise of the Holy Spirit, our advocate who turns our sorrows to joy in chapter 14, and then we're grafted into his kingdom and we're called friends in chapter 15, and finally, Jesus' prayer on, for his disciples in chapter 17, verse 25, where Jesus prays to his Father on our behalf. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus desperately wants us to know the Father, know his love, and be a part of this full, complete, everlasting and intense love. And as we turn and admire this ring and think about this love, we're instantly met with Judas's betrayal. For you or I, that could be our limit. This love could be tarnished by betrayal. 
We have heard throughout this sermon series that Jesus' heart is gentle and lowly. He never gives up on us and his compassion never fails. Jesus' love is even stronger than Judas' betrayal. What happens next in verse 4 is nothing short of remarkable. In John 1 verse 14 we read, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In verse 4, Jesus shows his disciples a new way to love. In a servant, lowly and humble way. In verse 4, he takes off his outer garment, takes on the status of a servant or slave and washes each of the disciples' feet. Yes, Peter and John, who writes the book, and even Judas, who betrays him. He humbles and serves his disciples because this is one of Jesus' examples of love. Foot washing was normal, but it was definitely the job of a slave or a servant, not a teacher, a messiah or a king. In verse 8, Peter says to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, one who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. Maybe Peter was saying, oh, I can do this myself, or I'm not going to let you do that for me, that is gross. Or he felt shame, my feet are so disgusting, I have fungus, there's no way you're going to touch that. We're not really sure, but clearly Peter did not understand yet what Jesus was doing. In fact, we know that the way Jesus talks about cleansing the disciples is definitely the spiritual cleansing that only Jesus can provide. We have to accept, like Peter, that by God's grace, this is the only way we can be a part of his love. We can't clean all of ourselves. We need Jesus for the deep spiritual cleanse. But we know this lack of understanding isn't the end of the story for Peter or for us. Simon Peter obviously takes the time to examine Christ. Eventually, he recognises him as the promised servant and deeply understands the significance of the cross and the foundation that the church and our lives must be built on. Let's see where Peter ends up in his letters to the early church. We might have insight into his examination of Christ. You can recognise where Peter looks back to the servant songs of Isaiah and recognise the very nature of who Jesus is, the promised servant, salvation for the world. In 1 Peter 2, 25, 21 to 25, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. He bore our sins. That's from Isaiah 53, 9. In his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live by righteousness, by his wounds we have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. Ba, ba, do, ba, ba. <laughs> Isaiah 53, 6. Thank you. And then in 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11, I couldn't resist, sorry guys. In 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. 
Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Maybe a diagram might be more helpful. I'm not great at graphics, so just, sorry, Hannah, I should have got your skills. Would have been much more of a holistic example of service. So this timeline continues. It doesn't end. We can go right back to creation of all time. We can keep going forward beyond the little love heart church to the world, to the church, our lives, and the little broom is to help you remember that we're to serve. Today we read together about this important story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. That's the bathtub and the foot, in case you weren't sure. It is significant not just because of this humble act, but when we examine it in the whole context of God's story, it gives us a deeper, fuller understanding of who Jesus is. Here today, like Peter, we're able to look back to what was promised in Isaiah and understand the significance as Jesus as a servant. 700 years before Jesus was born, while Israel was in exile, punished for their unfaithfulness to God, they were promised a new way of doing things. Isaiah in the servant song revealed God's plan for a promised servant who will restore Israel that is a light for the Gentiles and is salvation for the whole world in Isaiah 49. We believe that Jesus is the one who people were appalled at because he ate with the poor, the tax collectors and the unclean and he's the one who will bring cleansing to many nations in Isaiah 52:15. And we know that Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the part where the cross is. And we're able to look through to the cross of suffering and to now what Jesus commands us to do, to love and serve. Servant love is hard. Servant love can seem impossible. Unconditional love is ridiculous. It can be unglamorous. And sometimes you may feel like you're a slave and you will suffer. There's no recognition, and maybe it's even thankless, and it's not the greatest marketing plan for 2023, but that is the point. We're called to be different to this world, and of course, in my own strength, that is impossible, and as Dane Ortland says, we up, love up to a limit, but Jesus loves to the end. If we stopped the book at John at this scene of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, while it's remarkable, we actually haven't fully reached the depth or the extent of Jesus' love or in, uh, his intensity of love for his disciples. We know the end that Jesus refers to in verse 1 is the intense love of the cross. We know that the servant act of foot washing was no, by no means the limit of Jesus' love. Dane Ortland explores the significance of the cross in great detail the physical torture that Jesus did his father's will unwaveringly. He was separated from the father in darkness, death and condemnation for us all. It's hard to comprehend what Jesus went through, yet he did for you, for me. The Lord laid on him the iniquity for us all. 
And that's what loving us to the end means. Jesus is willing to take on all the pain, all our gross immoral behaviour, all the darkness, all the sin of the world, and die for us so we can be clean and we can be apart with him. After Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he gave them a new commandment. As Peter wrote and reflected on where to serve so that in all things God will be praised. John 13, 34, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I'd like you to notice two things from this new commandment. He asks all his disciples to love. Jesus wants us to serve like him. Not just me, not just you, but all of us collectively together as a community. Because if it's just me or just you, Christ's love becomes limited. However, this love, this big jewel of love we are part of is unconditional and unlimited. So our loving expressions of Christ's love gives us and others a glimpse at the glory of God. Servant love is hard, especially if you feel like you are treated like a slave. Therefore, how we treat each other is important. We must love each other like Christ did, wisely, generously with thankfulness, with gratitude and motivated by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is really important that we use our gifts uniquely and realise and accept people's limitations, boundaries and abilities. We're all called to serve. Servant love that Jesus has demonstrated through his life and sacrifice on the cross is the new commandment and the foundations of his church. Sacrifice and service is God's plan for the church and for all of us at St Tom's to collectively be a part of. How do we as a church love and serve the world? How do we as Christ's servants glorify and obey him? These are important questions to ask ourselves as we go out to this week and all our days as we love and serve this world. God wants us to love as a community as extravagantly as Christ so that others will see our good deeds and glorified God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, please once again fill us with your spirit. Show us how we can love and serve this broken world. Show us how we can love and serve each other. Help us to do so with thankfulness, with joy and with gratitude. Help us to accept help when it's given to us and help us to give help when it's needed. Help us to know when we need to rest and rely on you. Help us to work together as the body of Christ, using our gifts to love and serve this world. Amen.